The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. I think the way this is working tonight is that the the uh, do the speakers work? They're working. That one works. Okay, so if okay, this is good. This is good. Okay, you look so official over there with you know all of this gear. You you look like you know a sound engineer or something. It's it's quite remarkable. So. Uh, Welcome to our revised meditation hall. Um, My topic for tonight is uh, the practice of agitation, or agitation practice, or practicing with agitation, or how do I get rid of agitation? So it seemed fitting, since we're in this unusual setting, Because a lot of what causes agitation in our lives is things aren't quite right, you know? They're not quite the way we think they ought to be. And most of us take up meditation or meditate to kind of still the mind and, and relax and enter a place of ease. And then things are shook up. What is this about? What, ooh, what is this feeling? So when I started thinking about what I wanted to talk about with agitated mind, I realized it covered everything. Agitated mind covers everything. It has to do with the hindrances to practice. It has to do with karma. It has to do with intentions. It has to do with greed, hatred, and delusion. You name a Buddhist list of some sort. And agitation is relative to that. Agitation is relevant to that. Because agitation is that thing that keeps us stirred up, stirred up. Now, being stirred up doesn't have to be a bad thing. (laughs) But usually when we think of agitated mind, it's sort of with a touch of, ooh, the mind is not supposed to be agitated. The mind is supposed to be clear and calm and And truly, if I could get my mind to do that routinely, I think I'd be really quite pleased. (laughs) Quite pleased. But that isn't what this mind does all the time. This mind reacts to stimuli, and things happen. So one thing we might do is consider what are the forms of agitation. How does agitation show up in our lives? What does it look like? So we have, we have the kind of, of restlessness, the restlessness where I just don't think I can sit still another minute. I have to get up and move. My body is just like I've got insects in it or something. I used to have this thing that happened in my belly where it felt like it was itching inside. Fortunately, that went away because I could never figure out what it meant or how to deal with it. It was just itchiness, itch, itch. And so there's this kind of restlessness that comes from something like that. Sometimes when we sit down to meditate, everything just seems to be rattling around. There's just, it's like a lot of vibration happening. And we're thinking, come on, I'm here. Let's say enough with the buzzing, right? So there's the restlessness that 
not moving part. There is agitation that comes from uh, disturbed, disturbing thoughts, disorienting thoughts, unwholesome thoughts. I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this. I really want to be calm. I really want this. I want, I want. So there's some agitation that comes from that. There's agitation that comes from I don't want. The thoughts are arising because I really, I don't like what's going on at work. I just, that guy, that guy in that corner that is causing me the, the problems all the time. He comes by my desk all the time. He's got to stop doing that, and the mind is just going. It wants to talk about, the mind wants to churn, churn about this thing that's happening. This is, this is clearly a disturbing thought. We are obsessing about something we want or don't want, and it's there, and it's on our minds all the time. This is definitely agitation. Sometimes it's as simple as feeling sorry for ourselves. I'm just tired. I'm just tired of this being true. I'm tired of that being true. I'm just tired of it. And the mind is just repeating that. And and instead of saying, I'm done with it, the mind just wants to chew on it. The agitation is like that. Or we retell stories, you know. Okay, okay, I I know what happened. She came up to me, and the first thing she did was point out that I had the same shirt on that I had last week, and isn't that sweet? And I know that it's a backward comment, and that basically she's saying something like, don't you have any other shirts, or are you totally unimaginative? And I'm telling this story in my head, and it's going on and on and on about the shirt and the, what the woman said about the shirt. And I can't seem to let go of it. It's just stuck. So sometimes this retelling of some kind of story is what's keeping the mind agitated. Just can't seem to let go of it. Restlessness, disturbing thoughts. Then there's energetic responses. Okay, so this, you come in, you're, you're angry. Even if you're not retelling the story, you've, you've got some energy coursing through your body, and it is moving. You can almost feel yourself panting. (laughs) Maybe you are panting. (laughs) And I'm I'm just going to sit down here, and I'm just going to rest, and I'm just going to... No, because there's all this energy, so there's energetic response. Or maybe something wonderful happened. Maybe you just found out you won the lottery, and you can hardly sit still with excitement. This is, where did this come from, this great piece of wonderful news? And you just, you can't, you're stirred up. It's like somebody put an egg beater in and... Or maybe it's anxiety. Anxiety or worry about the future. Something keeps coming up, you're afraid of something, something's about to happen, something has happened. And you just can't let go of it. It's just, it's constantly keeping you stirred up. And the thoughts that you're having about it, by the way, are not particularly useful. They're not going to solve the problem. They're just repeating the problem over and over and over again. Or maybe we have thoughts of remorse. Oh, I can't believe I said that. Oh, how could I have said that? I really didn't mean to say that. I'm just, I'm a total failure. And we, and it, 
falls over into self-criticism, and we repeat this, repeat, repeat, repeat. Beware when you hear the repeat. Agitation. And sometimes it's useful to say agitation and not repeat, repeat. Just realize that's what's happening. Agitation. Basically, we're wanting things to be other than they are. Any thoughts that have to do with wanting things to be other than they are are going to be agitating. They're going to keep us stirred up. They're going to keep us wondering. They're going to be creating an energy of their own, a life of their own. Okay, great. We've got all kinds of ways to talk about agitation. We know agitation exists. We are all clearly familiar with agitation. Why are we familiar with agitation? What about agitation are we actually familiar with? Okay, so there, there are different ways that agitation shows up. One of them is physical. I'm so mad, I'm just shaking, right? You felt, you felt that feeling. <gasps> I regret to say that one day last week when I was taking care of my grandson, and he came into the kitchen and was demanding different food. He wasn't going to eat the food he had, and he was stamping his foot and screaming at the top of his lungs that he didn't want this, and then he would whine. And I, I was reacting very badly to this response in this six-year-old. And I went up, and I stamped my foot, and I thought, my God, what am I doing? <laughs> this is a six-year-old. <laughs> and now I'm a six-year-old. The physical response to agitation, where you find yourself going, <laughs> the physical response includes things like antsiness, right? The I just can't sit still part. There's also the mental activity of agitation. You can be sitting perfectly still, perfectly still and calm, and be incredibly agitated mentally. Or the mind, the mind is just bonkers. It's going everywhere at once. I noticed this once when I was on uh, retreat. And I was on my way, I'd been sitting for quite a long time, so I was very still and very concentrated. And I was on my way to uh, an interview. And so I'm on the way and I'm thinking, oh, I'm, I've got to make a report. I have no idea what I'm going to report on. And my mind was just spinning. What am I going to talk about? I'm going to look like an idiot. <laughs> How come I don't have something to say? And then I noticed that my body was moving very slowly. I mean, it's like I was going to be late because I was moving so slowly. And I realized the mind had become agitated because I was off to do something. But in fact, I was quite still. And seeing the, the disconnect between what the mind was telling me and what was actually true, which was that I was quite still, was really interesting. You know, we, we sometimes label things in our minds incorrectly. 
the mind was clearly agitated, but on a scale of one to two to ten, it was probably agitated one. <laughs> but because I was so still, it seemed massive. It seemed massive. So there's there's mental activity. That that includes things like storytelling or analytical thought where we're thinking things through. I'm going to analyze what happened here and I'm going to figure it all out. Or maybe we get into planning. I'm going to plan what I'm going to do to fix whatever this problem is or where I'm going to go or what I'm going to have for dinner. Or we rewrite our story. This is one of my favorites. Okay, this terrible thing happened. Well, if I'd just done it this way, Oh, yeah, here's what really, this is what should have happened. And so if I do this next time, and I'm pretty working up this incident that happened perhaps years ago. Why? It's long over. Long over. And yet we find ourselves recreating something and rewriting it and wanting it to be different than it was. Or maybe we're forecasting, or maybe we're working out our revenge. Well, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to fix that person tomorrow. Tomorrow, this is what I'm going to do. Okay? So all of these thoughts, all of these ways of using the mind are also quite agitating and might be true even if we're sitting very, very still. There's also things that comes out of an emotional concentration. This would be something like anger or extreme happiness, joy. And we get hung up in something as extremely pleasant or extremely unpleasant, and we want to hang out there. (laughs) You know, something's really pleasant. I'm going to stay with this. Oh, yeah, I like this. You know, I, I remember being on retreat one time and noticing the purple in Cyanothus bush, and it was brilliant. It was a brilliant blue purple color. And I thought, oh, this is great. I'm just going to sit here and stare at this the rest of my life. Fortunately, the mind got bored with that pretty quickly. It was unnecessary agitation. Or a dissipation of energy in in emoting. You know, a a kind of inner emoting. This might happen um, in the case of grief or depression, where we just kind of sink into it. I'm overwhelmed by this. It's a, it's a form of agitation that is an inundation, like a wave. We just, we just allow the feeling to, to take over and let it just pour out. Sometimes this is appropriate. And sometimes it's just another form of agitation, of, of chewing on something as if I could make that go away. I'm right now thinking about that razor clam that my husband fixed a couple of days ago that he overcooked. You know what happens when you overcook razor clam? Not that I'd ever eaten it before. (laughs) You chew, and you chew, and you chew and chew and chew and chew and chew and chew. And when he's not looking, you take it out. <laughs> I mean, really, we do this with our thoughts all the time. We find some, something and we just, there's something about it that it feels good to grind the teeth into, you know. 
And, and we become attached to that working, that working it. There's a kind of working it energy that happens. Okay, so, so what do we do about that? We know where it shows up. We know what it feels like. We know it's got a mental or a physical or an emotional content. Then what happens? So what? Well, the first thing to do is, is to realize that the agitation may or may not be something that you want to get rid of. What's important is to see the agitation and to recognize it as agitation. Oh, this is agitation. And to step back from whatever it is that's causing the agitation and see it just as agitation. Oh, this is, this is stirring up. This is what stirring up feels like. You need to decide when it's appropriate to just meet it as agitation, to basically encourage it so that you become familiar with it. Or when is it skillful to let go of it, to still it, to say, okay, not now. So we're going to talk about ways to attempt to still agitation. And then we're going to think about why do we want to still this agitation? And what values are we trying to reach in, in that? You know, what is our intention? What is our intention with regard to this agitation? Any agitation. So there are some obvious things. You know, you, you come in, you say, I need to relax. I just need to relax. I am so tense. I just need to relax. And sometimes that very need to relax becomes a source of agitation. It becomes the thing that keeps us from just settling in. Maybe we want more harmony in our lives. I want to be able to deal with the fact that I have a six-year-old in my life who is sometimes very frustrating for me. I want to be able to meet that without becoming a six-year-old. How do I do that? What do I do about it? Because he will stir me up. That's, that's his role in life. That's, that's what six-year-olds do. They're constantly testing, testing, testing. They're like somebody sitting at the soundboard. <laughs> and we instinctively know that the pursuit of a spiritual practice involves somehow settling in and achieving some kind of calmness in our minds. That this stillness that we can reach through meditation is an important part of spiritual life. One of the reasons being, it's a lot easier to see what's going on when there's not a lot of mud in the water, when there's not a lot of stirring up. Then we can see, oh, oh, this is what's happening. Oh, this is what's happening. I get it. I get it. <clears throat> One of the many Buddhist lists is the seven factors of enlightenment list. Seven conditions conducive to uh, a spiritual life, to awakening. And the first four really are directly related to how to deal with agitation. The first one is mindfulness. The second one is investigation. The third one is energy. And the fourth one is joy. Now, and then the, the final three, by the way, are where we want to go. 
tranquility, concentration, and equanimity. Okay, so those are the seven. So what we're dealing with when we're talking about agitation is how do we achieve, how, how do we manage agitation in our lives? How do we manage it in meditation? And how do we manage it as we're walking around life? When is it appropriate just to stay with agitation and learn it? And when is it appropriate to say, enough, I need to, to settle now. I need to move this out of my, my attention. Okay, so the first one on that list was mindfulness. Mindfulness is your friend. Mindfulness is your friend. You notice the agitation. You notice, I'm agitated. You may not have to pay so much attention to anger and how to deal with anger. If you can look at, ooh, there's a lot of agitation here, and notice that agitation. And what is it about that agitation? What's the edge of it? So what you want to do is figure out what is the condition of your mind. What is the condition that you're dealing with? So there are, there are kind of four things that you might want to look for when you investigate. So with mindfulness, we can see this is what's happening, and we can see agitation. Agitation is happening. We notice it in our bodies. We notice it because the mind can't sit still. We notice because we have a fullness of emotions, and the, and the body is sort of screaming out its attention. So with mindfulness, we notice the agitation and we see it as agitation. So if we take the example of my grandson last week, I realized once I stamped my foot that my whole body was registering what was actually ill will. And it had nothing to do with him, I might add. It actually related to something else. And his stamping of his foot was a trigger that caused the irritation to just manifest in me. Okay? So noticing the unskillful part, noticing the unskillful mindset noticing the ill will. What I did was leave the room, go into the other room, and deal with the fact that I was really agitated. Whoa, this is so inappropriate. This is not how I want to be around my grandson. I need to sit back here, take a few breaths, let them out, and return to the place where I feel open-hearted and not so irritated. I just left the room. Just left the room. Because when you see an unskillful mindset, that's when you say, this needs to be, this needs to be seen, this needs to be not built, this needs not to be reinforced. This is an unskillful mindset. Wishing the guy who cut you off in traffic gets a ticket, for example. When, when you're aware of that feeling, that... <clears throat> you can feel it in your body, and you can say, ooh, unpleasant. 
This is unpleasant to wish ill for someone. It really, you can feel it as you become more sensitive to how this manifests in your body, how, you, how mindful you are of what's happening. You can feel this kind of curdling and you go, ooh, ick. Ooh, ick. Planning how to undermine a rival. <laughs> okay, I'll fix you. You know that feeling? There's something about that where there's a kind of, ha, there's an aha, but there's also a kind of icky feeling about that also. There's a kind of, eh, I really, it doesn't feel quite right. When you notice those feelings, just see them. Just see them. Note that you haven't actually done anything, but even planning it is unskillful. It leaves you, it leaves you with an agitated mind. It leaves you feeling not quite right, really not quite right. Or rejoicing in another's misfortune. <laughs> See? That's what you get. We have these thoughts. They come. We don't have to entertain them, though. We can just, bye. That's an unworthy thought. I don't like that. I don't like what it leaves, the residual feeling I have from that thought. You can just let it go. You can just say, not for me. You notice Maybe you feel you're driving and it's really tense and you feel yourself gripping the steering wheel. I'm good at this. I grip the steering wheel. And I find that if I just loosen my hands, I stop thinking whatever it was that was causing me to grip the steering wheel. It's like it works both directions. So the irritation, anger, agitation will cause some physical thing in your, in your body. And by Focusing on that and releasing the energy there, you affect whatever the mental state that is leading to it. It's a two-way street. It's possible to do this. The other part of investigation that is useful is to distinguish between, say, anger and fear. I'm really angry. And then to realize what's really true is you're afraid of something. You're afraid of being hurt. You're afraid of, you know. Uh, my four-year-old grandson yesterday came up and socked me in the stomach. And it actually, it, mostly it surprised me. But it really hurt. And mostly it was surprise. It's just surprise. And when I finally realized, so I was, you know, I just, oh, it was surprise. And when I saw it as surprise, it was a lot less of an infraction. You know what I mean? He actually wasn't doing it to be mean. He's in this stage where that's how he gets your attention, is he comes up and pokes you. Or, you know, plants one. It's a little more than a poke. But <laughs> so, okay, this is what he's doing, and you discourage this activity, but you watch what's going on with you, internal to you, and what I was registering was surprise. Oh, okay. So in surprise, I watched my reactivity. That shouldn't be happening. 
But then when you realize it's just surprise, well, you don't get so much energy up behind it. So the mindfulness that allows you to investigate what is it really that's happening here, it can cut down on some of that repeating the story, retelling the story, how come he's like that, why, do, why don't his parents teach him not to poke, you know, all the stories that happen. So the other thing that happens is you form a catalog of physical cues. So the reason I was able to leave my grandson after stamping my foot at, and leave the room so quickly is I recognize, ooh, this is all ill will. I was familiar with what that felt like, and I rejected it. But if you're not familiar with catching it, it keeps going. So every time you notice it is something to be joyful about. I noticed ill will has arisen. Hooray, I noticed it. Okay, that's, not a, that's unpleasant. But at least I'm seeing it now. And I'm less likely to be carried away with it. So the second thing. So the first one is we notice things, the physical reaction. We notice what happens with unskillful thoughts. The next thing is there's, there can be some degree of... Uh, sensuality or anger to these thoughts. And so we, we retell stories about how bad it is, or we fantasize about something that is uh, forbidden. This is a good source of agitation when you're meditating. Okay, so, you know, I haven't had any time to think about this new guy I met, but, you know, I'm just and you start thinking about it, right? Or, uh, or we covet something. Oh. Boy, I really wanted that. Oh, if I could have that, I would be happy. I really, I need, I need a pantry, right? <laughs> Whatever it is that you imagine you need. And you start getting involved in whatever this is. That's something that you can notice. Or maybe you're dealing with just distraction. Okay, so this is not... Um, it's a little different than unskillful thoughts. It, it's just you allow yourself to be distracted, just free form. You know, some people do a form of meditation, which is uh, an open awareness. And in open awareness, you are just mindful of whatever arises. And it's a very interesting way of exploring mindfulness. But it also can be distracting because it becomes harder to focus on something. It's actually a practice that's better... I shouldn't say that. I've used it in a lot of different ways. But, but it is something to be careful about is that it can be defocusing. Okay, I'm hearing, I'm seeing, I'm touching, where you pay attention to whatever comes into your consciousness and you're not focusing on anything, that it can become quite agitating. So, so that's one thing. Um, and the fourth kind of thoughts are, are wholesome thoughts related to the Dharma. These can be agitating, where, where you become uh, attached to thinking about uh, karma, for example. Oh, if I do this, then this is what's going to happen. If I do that, what are the conditions for this? Too much focus on something, too much effort, too much of anything becomes agitating becomes something that gets in the way of the mind settling and just being. You can actually 
just settle with something quite unpleasant as long as you're not reacting to it, as, not, as long as you're not churning over it. Maybe I should redo my intentions. No, I think I'm going to redo my metaphrases. I'm going to, so you're sitting here thinking really wholesome thoughts about metta, totally agitated. The mind is all over the shop, thinking about all the possibilities for the ways that you can say metta and not being still at all. Or maybe we're thinking about all the way, all the things, the practices we should be doing, but we're not doing, and this is a terrible thing. I'm a terrible meditator. I'm a terrible Buddhist. I'm not doing things right. Very agitating. As opposed to, oh, this is how it is. Oh, this is how it is. Or we're settling in. It's really sweet. Calm. Finally, I'm taking a deep breath. I'm on my breath. Now I'm there. I've got it now. Boy, I just, I finally figured it out. Gone, just like that. (laughs) Gone, just like that. Okay, start over. Settle in. Just be still. Just here. Just here. So, there is a whole sutta on what to do about agitation. It's called The Discourse on Stilling. It has a a Pali name, Vitaka Satana Sutta. Vitaka, I can't say all these. Vitaka Santhana Sutta. Vitaka Santhana Sutta. The tongue isn't working tonight. Okay, so it is a discourse on stilling thoughts. So there are are, uh, five, six things, six things you can do. Right. The first one, substitute wholesome thoughts for unwholesome thoughts. Change the frame, shift. So this might be um, calling to mind times when we've actually handled our emotions well. Or calling to mind someone we know who always seems to be calm shift the frame of reference recall a moment when you were at ease because the truth is if you have ever known it you know it you can you can know it again so oh yeah i know i know even for a brief moment that relief will stop from building the agitation just shift the frame just a little It's so hot today. Oh, it's like a warm bath. Shift the frame. Just shift it. Just enough to not allow the agitation to get too much. The other thing you can do, number two, is to practice non-ill will, renunciation, harmlessness. So this is a case where if you can't do it, if you find... You're just so angry that you can't pull yourself out of it, but you really want to. You don't want to keep doing it. One possibility is, if, if you've already tried, checking with 
trying to shift it to just looking at agitation versus anger or separating out the energy from the, the, um, the insult, if, if something like that doesn't work, then you can say metta. You can wish yourself well. Say metta phrases for yourself so that it softens your heart. You don't have to wish the person that you are angry with to have all the virtues and, and uh, everything they wish. Wish good things for yourself. May I be at ease. May I be peaceful. May I be happy. The object here being to soften your heart. Because when you soften your heart, it's like letting go of that steering wheel to release the tension. The motion of softening your heart will break up some of that tension around the subject of anger or displeasure. You can imagine yourself letting go. Maybe you can't let go of whatever it is, but you can say, I really don't want to be this way. What would it be like if I weren't this way? What would it be like if I weren't this way? Oh, You can recall your intention, which I do all the time. When I find myself getting irritated or I find myself not able to sit still, I remember that my chief intention in life is to be open-hearted with myself, with everyone else, to simply see how it is. This is how it is. This is, this is how it is. To not always want it to be different. To have my heart be open enough that I can be vulnerable even when I feel threatened. Okay, that's how I want to be. A moment of disengagement with whatever is causing the irritation is a moment that you are free of it. And it breaks the cycle. Even if you go right back, even if you go right back, you can still, oh, You've, you've introduced ease to this situation. Another thing you can do is reflect on the danger of allowing unwholesome thoughts to proliferate. So these thoughts are destructive. These thoughts are harmful to me. I don't want these thoughts. I don't want to entertain this in my life. I want to have a peaceful mind. I don't want a mind that's full of anger and dis- despair. Recalling that and saying, ah... Oh, See it as a distraction. Notice a distraction. So one thing you can do is just try turning away and letting it go. Okay, I'm angry, but I'm not going to look there. I'm just not going to look there. This is, this is kind of what I did when I left the room. I left the room. It's the, not the only thing I did, but leaving the room gets me, breaks, breaks whatever the energy is in that cycle. Okay, I'm out of here. You know, I came back three minutes later, but I broke it. And that, so that's one of the things you can do. You can say you're sitting down, you're obsessed with planning for something that is really important, you have a deadline tomorrow, it's happening, I've got to pay attention to it, but I really want to meditate now. Now, 
I'll come back to you later. But for now, I'm taking these 10 minutes, and I'm not going to think about that. For now, the emphasis on the now can break that some of that agitation that is keeping you from settling into your meditation. Okay, later we'll go over this a thousand times, mind, but right now, right now, I'm going to take this 10 minutes, this 20 minutes, and I'm just going to sit. The next one is figuring out why are these thoughts arising. So if you notice agitation, why am I really agitated? So, for example, with my grandson, it really wasn't his stamping the foot. It was something entirely different. And once I was out of the room, I was able to see that it was something entirely different that deserved an entirely different response. Oh, oh, that's what's happening. Oh, that's not worth being angry about. But I can see why I'm agitated. Oh, that's why. The, in, the act of investigation can be really useful. And the final thing is the force. Just force. I'm going to leave this by force. I can't sit here, so I'm going to do walking meditation. <laughs> I can't sit here, so I'm going to do standing meditation. I can't seem to do this, so I'm going to stop meditating, and I'm going to chant. Or I'm going, I am just not going to allow whatever this agitation is to be me. It's not me. I'm going to do something else. I'm going to change my posture. I'm going to leave the room. I'm going to do a different practice. I'm going to, I'm going to visualize this person who is always calm. And I'm just going to sit here and visualize that person. I, I know I'm not following my breath. Sometimes it helps to follow something else. You can't, keep, you can't seem to stay on the breath when you're meditating. Okay, I'm going to just listen. And when I say listen, I'm not going to worry, worry about what it is I hear. I'm just going to be conscious of the fact that I can hear. Hear, hear, hear. So there's, uh, there's a cricket out there. Not worrying about it's a cricket. But just, there's a sound, a repetitive sound. Oh, there's a sound. Okay. So that you break the mind from having to do, it's a, it's a kind of discipline. So the way to deal with agitation is, A, to see it. To decide, is this a useful agitation or not? And then to try some of these strategies for how to deal with it. Notice what your responses are. Maybe you only get partway down the list and something entirely different is happening. Hopefully, that's the trait. And finally, why do we want a still mind anyway? <laughs> What's that about? You know, agitation, the way I've been speaking about it, seems like a bad thing. But actually, energy can be thought of as agitation. And energy is one of the factors of awakening. The, a desirable quality that allows you to proceed. Sometimes we have to introduce agitation to get us off the spot. Oh, 
I've been sitting here a long time. Time to move on. Okay. However, stillness in general leads to concentration. The ability to settle in and to let all of the extraneous things that we're always thinking about be on their own for a while and just be. Just be. And that experience of coming to a place of stillness is something to remember. I remember uh, a retreat I was on and I was very still and very concentrated. It was really sweet. And I went to see Gil on an interview and he said, oh, nice, hi. I said, oh, it's really great. And he said, you're really concentrated. I said, yes. And then I went on to talk about something else. He said, no, 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 come back. He said, I want you to register this stillness. Know this stillness right now. Admit this stillness. And I said, so I remember it when I can't get still. He said, so, so I, you know, my response was, so I, I know that I can always, that this is always accessible to me. He said, no, 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 no. You need to remember it when it's not accessible to you. <laughs> oh, I get it. When it's not accessible to you is when you really need to know those moments of stillness. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Knowing both a still and an agitated mind, we become more mindful of the conditions of our lives, more able to respond appropriately, to lose the habit of reactivity, to choose, to choose how we want to be, to match our intentions and our actions. This is what we hope for. So, I have a little poem of encouragement here. This is a short poem by Hafiz. And it's called A Strange Feather. All the craziness, all the empty plots, all the ghosts and fears, all the grudges and sorrows have now passed. I must have inhaled a strange feather that finally fell out. May you all find your strange feathers on the pillow in front of you. Thank you. So, questions, comments, agitation? (laughs) Oops. Thank you. Um, it's it's one of the things that I am working on in in my practice is um, I'm a gossiper. I'm a terrible gossiper. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, um, it's not until about the day after I've really done a juicy gossip session with someone that I realized that that's what actually I actually did, and then. The agitation is 
this real um, uh, guilt mm -hmm. that I had slipped back, <laughs> you know, and try as I, you know, so, I mean, I suppose part of it is, uh, yeah, don't do it in the first place, right? But the other part is, um, how do you deal with that guilt agitation that comes after that, you know? Okay, so there are, there are kind of two, two points of contact here, at least. One of them, as you say, is the first thing where you notice if you... Okay, so we'll, we'll put it over here because your question was really over the second point, which is, okay, now I'm feeling really guilty. What, I, what do I do about that? Yeah. Okay, so, so let's start with guilt. Now, guilt is a, an interesting reactive response because it's, it's not particularly useful. Guilt is one of those things that keeps us agitated and we're chewing on it and, and uh, it, it's, a kind of, um, it's a kind of penance we do for not paying attention, for not living up to our own intentions. It's a penance that we're doing. Right? Okay, so I didn't do what I wanted to do, so I'm going to feel guilty about it. And if I feel guilty enough about it, it'll kind of wash away the bad stuff. But, you know, it feels terrible to be feeling guilty, too. Mm -hmm. this, is, this is kind of uh, not useful to you. Mm -hmm. So when you notice the guilt arising, ask yourself, why... Do I want to feel guilty? Why do I want to feel guilty? So it's unpleasant, and who wants to feel guilty, right? But you do it because it is, it is, it's doing something for you. It's, it's taking care of some discomfort, some other discomfort you have. Absolving myself, maybe. Of what it's a way of absolving yourself. Mm -hmm. I can do this because I feel guilty afterwards, so I'm not a bad guy. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is kind of a coarse mm -hmm. analysis of mm -hmm. it, okay? Mm -hmm. But there's something, and I don't know what it is. Ask yourself, mm. why, why am I, why is this guilt, what's here besides the guilt? Mm. There's something else besides the guilt because it's repeating and repeating, you know. Mm -hmm. You're aware of the guilt. It's possible that you can become aware of something around the gossiping that comes earlier than, than you're currently aware of it. It's sort of like you get into the juicy part of it and then later you think, ah, uh, if there's something in that juicy part of it that you can divert. So I'm going to take an example. Uh, I have a neighbor who likes to know everything that's going on in the building. You know, I mean, she knows everything that's going on in the building. And she's full of stories about this person and that person and the other person. And I'm thinking, oh, boy. It, you know, I, I'm picking up on this. I'm thinking, oh, that's I'd like to know what that person over in that corner is doing. What is she doing over there? There was people over what was, what was What was that fire engine doing here last week? You know, is Sufi okay? Or, you know, what's going on with Sufi, right? 
So when I notice myself doing that, kind of getting into the itchiness of it, I ask myself, what do I really want? Then I ask, what do I really want? I want to feel part of something. Oh, is that what's going on? If you can ask yourself, what about the juicy part is catching you? That's more important than stopping the gossiping. What is the juicy part that's getting you? What is, what's sucking you in? What's that? What is it? See if you can catch it. Because there may be another way for you to express it or indulge it or cultivate it. It may be something really important. Maybe. Mm-hmm. It comes way before the guilt, but it's probably, they're related somehow. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what it is. Yeah, well, that's, that's excellent. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Yeah. Um, I want to say, first of all, I really appreciated that idea of like sensuality of thought she brought up around like anger and sort of like it is sort of like a sense in that there's like pleasure derived from certain thoughts. And I just want to get your um, opinion. You mentioned like skillfulness. Mm -hmm. Like, how do you judge whether something I mean, I don't. I guess for me, I don't really think of skillfulness in terms of like a binary, like this is skillful, this is unskillful. I think there's just sort of a gradient, but how do you discern whether something is skillful, skillful what or degree not skillful? of skillfulness? Or? It's a very good question. So, uh, so uh, the, the question is, is this causing suffering? Is this causing suffering for someone else? Is this causing suffering for me? Is this causing suffering for either or both of us? If it's causing suffering, unskillful. Maybe next time I'll do something different. If it's not causing suffering, great. There's something about that. The one thing I would caution against is the idea that there's something that's always good and something that's always bad. I just don't, that's not my experience. What is skillful is skillful in this moment, and it has to do whether uh, someone is harmed or not harmed. And that includes you. Does that help? Okay. We do have to quit. Thank you all very much. Happy feathers. (laughs) 